All right, here we go. Romans chapter three. Today we have maybe the deepest few verses of scripture, period. Maybe the deepest few verses of scripture in all of Romans. Maybe. It's debatable. Some, including Luther, have called this the most important paragraph in all of scripture and definitely the most important paragraph in all of Romans because it lays out the gospel and it lays it out in some deep theological terms. So we've got to, we've got to put our thinking caps on to catch this. You've got to have your, your notebooks out and you've got to be ready to write some definitions down and you're going to have to lock in with me and we're going to have to go. Are you ready to dive to a deeper level in what we're thinking about here in the doctrine of salvation? How many of you are ready for that? Okay, we might make it through if you keep that enthusiasm, all right? Or can we have a little more enthusiasm? How many of you are ready for this? Yeah! All right, there we go. All right, overview of Romans, because we have guests here. So you guests are jumping in on the day we get good news, but that means you've missed all the bad news. So here's our outline of Romans. Condemnation has come to us all semester. All semester long, all we've done is walk through verses that tell us how bad we are, how pathetic we are, how much we are waiting wrath, all of this. So I'm gonna let you feel this here in just a moment, a little bit, but now we turn to the righteousness. Now we turn to some of the good news in the book of Romans. So let's experience it in this way. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth just like you and I have. Romans 1.20. So they, or we could read we, are without excuse. Romans 1.24, 26, and 28. So God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to dishonorable passions. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what should not be done. Romans 1.32, they know God's righteous decree. They know that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, they give approval to those who do them. Romans 2.1, therefore, we have no excuse. We condemn ourselves. The judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. All of us have. Do you presume upon the riches of his kindness? Of course we do. Of course we do. You're storing up wrath for yourself. Yes, we have. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed... But those who are self-seeking, it's all of us. And do not obey the truth. That's all of us. But obey unrighteousness. It's every last person in here. There will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, Romans 2, 8, 9. That's all of us. Romans 2, 12. 
For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Romans 2, 21 through 24. All right, you who know a lot. You believers. You who teach others. You Pharisees, you Sadducees. Why don't you even teach yourself? You preach against stealing, yet you steal. You say, one should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Oh, well, within our heart, we have looked at a person to lust. We've committed adultery. You who abhor idols, do you not rob temples? You boast in the law. You dishonor God by breaking the law. It's even written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Or perhaps we could even say today, people don't want to be Christians and they don't want to go to church because of us. Oh, it gets worse. Romans 2, 10 through 17. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they, we, have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. Romans 2.20 for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Do you feel it? Apart from the grace of God, you have absolutely no hope. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot do what is good. You cannot do what is right. You have rebelled against God. You have sinned against the Holy One. There is no hope for any of us. We stand condemned, awaiting the wrath of God. And then we come to chapter three. We come to verse 21. And we stand, if we're able, in honor of the reading of God's word. But now, okay, time out. Say it with me. But now, okay, one more time, because we're under wrath and condemnation, and we're going to be really excited about what follows. One more time, ready? But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, that righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sin. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. 
Oh, dear God, would you help us this morning to be able to see your word clearly and what good news it brings to us. Help us to understand and think deeply about what you have revealed to us about your good plan and your perfect timing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and you may be seated. All right, let's walk through some of this. We're gonna start with our main idea. All of the wrath, all of the hopelessness, all of the condemnation, but now, what's our main idea? We are declared righteous through faith in Christ. How are we gonna be saved? We're gonna be saved through faith. That faith comes in Christ, in Christ alone. And this is what God does. He declares us righteous. Now, there's a difference between declaring someone righteous and making someone righteous. And one of the things we have to understand is that the evangelical perspective contra some other perspectives, such as the the Catholic perspective or others, is not that we are going to be made good enough so that we'll be just like God. It's that we're declared good enough. As a one-point-in-time act, we are declared righteous. That's the justification we're going to get to. Sanctification is where we become more and more and more like him. But what this passage is telling us is that there is a point in time, there is a legal declaration where we are declared righteous. That's good news for you, friend. That's good news for me because I can't be perfect. I mess up every day. I mess up all the time. But the good news is that God in his grace and in his mercy because of what Christ has done has declared me righteous. I have nothing to fear. You can do nothing to me. You kill me or destroy me. I get to go be with Jesus. What more can you do to me than that? This is your main idea. This is the best news you're gonna hear all day is that through faith in Christ, we are declared righteous. Here's our two points. God's righteousness through redemption in Christ is what we see in verses 21 through 26. That's where we're gonna spend most of our time. Then we'll, we'll breeze through verses 27 through 31 just because we have to with the sake of time. And, and that's justification by faith alone. It's a big topic, but we're gonna hit it in the first part too. So we jump into our very first point, God's righteousness through redemption in Christ in verses 21 through 26. Let's walk through 21 through 26. Now notice in this text, the righteousness of God. This is what he's talking about. So as we read our Bibles, as we seek to understand scripture, we look for repetition. We wanna see what's gonna happen multiple times. And in this text, we see that righteousness of God, righteousness of God, God's righteousness, to show his, meaning God's righteousness, so that he might be just and the justifier. It's another way of saying righteous, just and justifier. And so here, this is about the righteousness of God. So we see God's righteousness in this part. We also are gonna see faith, and then we're gonna see faith pop up in the second half of this. This is why it's on justification is by faith alone. And so we look at that part too, verse 21. But now, good news is coming. Friends, Paul, as a master communicator and letter writer, has laid it out to us that we are under wrath, we are hopeless, we are no good, we have no hope. And then he goes, but, but, but now, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, put your deep thinking cap on. Is that God's righteousness that he possesses personally or is that God's righteousness that he gives to others like us? The answer is, it's both. What this text is gonna show us is that God is righteous in his character because he's gonna be the just judge of the universe and he's gonna be the justifier. 
There's a reason this passage talks about him passing over sins of the Old Testament that then were punished upon Christ because he's gotta be a just God. If he's not a just God, he's not God. If he's not just, he's not holy. If he's not just, he's not perfect. And so we see the righteousness that God possesses, but the good news for us, friends, is that we also see that righteousness that he gives to us. He declares us righteous because of what Christ has done. That's imputation. Our guilt is imputed to Christ on the cross so that his righteousness can be imputed to us, can be given to us something that we don't deserve. Righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So if you're in this room and you are a rule follower and you are a legalist and you think you can earn your way to God, you can't do it. And the gospel is apart from the law. It's not that you have to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and write and study for two hours in order to be acceptable to God. The good news of the gospel is if you have faith in Christ, you're acceptable to God. You don't have to be perfect. But you don't understand how bad I am. I don't, and I don't care. Because it's not about how bad you are. It's not about the depths of your depravity. It's about the depths of his grace and mercy and you can't out sin an infinite God. If you have faith in him, you're declared righteous. Come on now. Seriously, I'm declared righteous. I don't deserve that and neither do you. Here we are, friends, in the midst of a culture that has so many issues, in the midst of a world that can't sleep because of everything going on, and we can lay our head down at night and look up to God and say, you have declared me righteous. I have no problem. That chemistry final can do nothing to me in the scope of eternity. (laughs) That calculus quiz that I don't understand, that makes no sense. It can't harm me forever. The English papers with all these misplaced modifiers and dangling participles and split infinitives, and I don't even know what they're talking about. Don't care, it doesn't matter because God has declared me righteous. Do you get that? Well, you don't understand, my girl dumped me. I don't care, she's not gonna be your girl in eternity anyway, you're all right. You are declared righteous. And you were a freshman, so you shouldn't have been dating in the first place, I told you already. Just kidding, I'm just kidding. I gotta get back to our text. All right, we got some deep definitions here. It's apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The law and the prophets are important. It, it tells us, the Old Testament helps us understand the New Testament. It foreshadows, it tells us what's happening. And then we get back to it then, the righteousness of God. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. Friends, it's not about through faith in Jesus Christ and everything you bring to the table. Because you don't bring anything to the table. Your best works are filthy rags. All the works you bring to the table that you're checking the boxes off so that you'll be a good person, God knows you're just checking the boxes off so that you'll be a good person and that in your heart you are deceitfully wicked. You don't bring anything to the table. That's the good news. You don't have to. It's through faith in Christ. Do you believe in Christ? If you believe in Christ, you are declared righteousness. It's for all who believe. 
For there is no distinction. All right, I gotta come back to that in the second half if I have time. There's no distinction. It's for everybody. Put that, put a placeholder. We got definitions to get to. For all have sinned. In the Greek, erst. For you, it's in the perfect tense. All have sinned. So for all have sinned, meaning every last one of us has sinned in the past and that has ongoing consequences. All of us have had a sin. That sin then places us in opposition to God, just one, because his standard is perfection. And so all of us have sinned. That's gonna have ongoing consequences to us. But then it changes tenses here. And it says, all have sinned and fall short. Fall short, present tense meaning that all of us fall short today, all of us will fall short in the next hour, all of us will fall short tomorrow, all of us will fall short on fall break, all of us will fall short next week. It's gonna happen, we fall short. That's just what we do. This is the verse we memorize when we share the gospel because it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is perfection, that's his standard. And we are justified we gotta define that word. By his grace, we gotta define that word as a gift. We don't earn it, it's given to us. If we earn it, it's not a gift, it's just given to us through the redemption, we gotta define that word, that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. We gotta define that word too. By his blood, to be received by faith. So let's start defining. Justification, what does justification mean? If you're taking notes, Pick the definition you like the best. Two for you. Justification, legal act, think courtroom. The legal act, it's an act of God whereby God as the just judge of the universe declares a believing sinner righteous in Christ on the basis of what Christ has already done on the cross, his finished work. Not on what you've done. Justification, legal act of declaring you righteous. It's an instantaneous legal act of God. He has the authority, he can do it. But he can only declare you righteous if there's a payment for your sin and that payment for your sin was provided by Christ on the cross. So he thinks of our sins as forgiven and then Christ's righteousness as belonging or theological word thereto, imputing Christ's righteousness to us so that it then belongs to us, so we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. So rather than seeing me as the sinner, he sees Christ's righteousness covering me as the sinner, so that when he looks on me, he sees Christ as my intercessor in between me and my sinful, deceitful, wicked heart. So God looks on me, and all of a sudden, I'm declared righteous. Are you kidding me? This is the best news of your day. Thank you for clapping. One person in the room clapped. And you're declared righteous. So then he declares us to be righteous in his sight. Justification. Legal act of God declaring us to be righteous based on what Christ has done. The Sunday school version of that, just as if I had never sinned. You got it? Justification. Say it with me. Just as if I've never sinned. You ready? Justification. Just as if I had never sinned. Get some definition of that version in your mind because if you don't understand justification, you don't understand the gospel. It's the legal act and declaration of God. These are big words. You're smart people. I know what your GPAs and SATs and all that are. You can handle this, so let's go. Justification. And then we move to grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. That's easy one, right? So what is grace? Say it with me. Unmerited favor. Say it with me one more time. Unmerited favor. You don't earn it. It's a gift. You don't buy it. It's not for sale. Grace is unmerited favor. 
Grace has also been talked about as God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, you get what I'm doing there, right? G stands for God, R stands for riches, A stands for at, C stands for Christ, E is expense. God's riches at Christ's expense, unmerited favor, that's what your grace is. It's nothing that you gotta do to earn this so you don't have to bear weight you weren't intended to bear to think I've gotta be good enough to do all this stuff. Friends, what's gonna happen in your life when you get saved is you're gonna love Jesus, you're gonna figure out more about what Jesus did for you and you're gonna love Jesus more and the more you learn about God and Jesus, the more you're gonna love Jesus and the more you're gonna wanna please Jesus and the less legalism's gonna help you and the more loving Jesus is gonna direct all of your actions to love Jesus and do what pleases Jesus and all this other stuff begins to be less important and to fall away as that sanctification process of becoming more like Jesus happens because you have replaced the affections for the things of this world with the affection of Christ and the affection for God and so you do what you please because what you please to do changes. So I'm struggling with sin. Get to know more about God. Dig into the word. Learn what he's done for you. The more you learn about what he's done for you, the less you're gonna wanna displease him. Learn where true peace and joy and happiness and all that comes from. Friends, we have his grace. We have unmerited favor. I've got unmerited favor of the creator of everything you see and everything you don't see. I have no reason to be depressed. I have no reason to be anxious. I have no reason to have any issues at all in this life because I've got the grace of God Almighty. I don't deserve it and I didn't earn it. But friends, through faith in Christ, I've got it. It's a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, what's redemption? Redemption. Um, Redemption or ransom is to buy back with a price. So we think Old Testament here. Old Testament gives us pictures. So buy back at a price. You've got the children of Israel. God redeemed them. God ransomed them from slavery in Egypt, made them his people, adopted them as his own, leads them. This is a foreshadowing. This is a picture. We can't go into all the details, but you can examine all the details. Leads them through the Red Sea, parts the Red Sea, comes out and takes them to the promised land. In that whole process, they learn to trust him. They learn to trust him daily. They learn to trust him for his food. They learn to trust him for the water. Just like we then are ransomed or redeemed from our slavery to sin, and then we are baptized, and then we go through a sanctification process before God leads us to the ultimate promised land. Think about those things. Boaz and Ruth, the kinsman redeemer, the the one who was a close relative, the one who was willing and the one who was able in order to redeem her just like Christ becoming human so that he would be a close relative. The one who was willing, I laid down my life, nobody takes it from me. The one who was able because he's fully God to then ransom or redeem us on the cross, the ultimate kinsman redeemer. Boaz is just foreshadowing us of Jesus who's the one that's coming. Hosea buying back Gomer who was the adulterous bride off of the block, auctioning block, just like Christ bought us, redeemed us by his blood at a price. Those who were spiritually adulterous and rebellion against God, we get a picture here that says this is redemption. This is the cross. This is salvation. This is what we're doing here. All right, I gotta keep going. We got more definitions. And I got something fun for us, if we have time. Redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. All right, I gotta get to propitiation. What is a propitiation? Here's your definition. It is a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end and in so doing changes his wrath into favor. 
So people don't like talking about blood and they don't like talking about God's wrath because it's violent and they don't like that picture of God. They only want a loving God. But in order to have a loving God, you have to have something that that loving God did for us. If God died for us when he didn't have to, that's just dumb. If I'm walking down the road with Samuel and he's walking beside me and I say, hey, Samuel, I love you this much and I jump out in front of a tractor trailer and get squashed for no apparent reason, that's just dumb. That's not love. Now, if Samuel walks out in front of that tractor trailer and I dive out into the road and push him to the side and get hit by the tractor trailer and then die, that's love because some sacrifice had to be paid in order to save somebody else. If Jesus died for no reason, that's not love. That's just dumb. But because there was a price that had to be paid so that God would be the just judge of the universe, holy and righteous in all things, and God said, guess what? We'll pay that price for you. I'll send my only begotten son. And on the cross, he will pay that. God then is the just and the justifier because he provides that sacrifice to us. All right, are y'all getting this? This is deep. This is hard. How many of you say, time out. I need a break. My brain hurts. I'm there with you. I'm gonna give you a break. I'm gonna give you a good break. Let's take a good break. Okay, here we go. I gotta get past all these definitions because I just completely left my notes. How do I get you to see this? Lion, witch, in the wardrobe. Think about this. Deep magic is used interchangeably with the law and tradition. Edmund is hopeless because he has sinned with the white witch. There's a stone tablet. Does that bring anything to mind? Like maybe two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments? There's a lion I don't know what that could mean. <laughs> you get it. The lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a traitor. That traitor requires death and blood. In particular, that of Edmund. No hope. He's hopeless. He's sitting there in Romans chapter three, verse 20. He hasn't gotten to 21 yet. There's a lion and a sacrifice with a substitute, paying a penalty, shedding blood as a ransom or redeeming Edmund the son of Adam, that's not a mistake. The human traitor, that's not a mistake. The true meaning of sacrifice, innocent and willing. Hmm. Let's watch it. We are declared righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. Friends, do you see it? Let's look at our text. We gotta finish it up here. I'm gonna breeze through this, make a couple of points, and then we'll be done. God had passed over former sins. Old Testament saints are saved looking forward to the cross. New Testament saints are saved looking back to the cross. So think about your credit card and your debit card. Old Testament saints are saved on credit, waiting on Christ's payment. New Testament saints are saved on debit looking back on Christ's payment. This is how it happens. Nobody's saved apart from faith in Christ. It's either by credit or it's by debit. He passed over those. So now it was to show his righteousness at this present time, right now, because that's when it happened, so that he might be just and the justifier. Think on that deeply. Write that down. Underline that. Star that. Give that more thought. How is God the just judge of the universe if there's not a payment for sin? There has to be. There was. He provided it so that he is just and the justifier. And that is our good news to the one who has faith in Jesus. Here's the second part we didn't even read. So here's other questions that come. This is justification by faith alone. So then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. 
Don't be prideful. If your theology makes you prideful, you got bad theology. You don't understand the implications of your own theology yet. You don't understand something. I know the definition of propitiation. We all do now. Get over yourself and be humble because you didn't do anything. It's excluded. By what kind of law? Law of works? No. It's a law of faith. Faith. There you go. Circle it. It's going to come up again. For we hold that one is justified by what? Faith. Apart from works of the law. In case you didn't get this the first time, it's faith. Apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jew only? Well, no. He's not the God of the Jew only. He's the God of the Gentile. Yes, that Gentile also. Since there's only one God, this one God will justify those who have been circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. There's only one way to get to Christ. It's through faith. That's it. This God is the God of all. There is no place for prejudice or racism or anything of the sort in any system. No caste system, no economic racism, no ethnic racism. It is done away with because God is one God. He's God of all. He's God of the Jew. He's the God of the Gentile. He is God. He's the one who will justify. So then do we overthrow this law by this faith? No. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The law is what demanded the perfect sacrifice. God provided the perfect sacrifice. The law is fulfilled and completed in Christ. So what's your application for this? I got two points of application for you. And the two points of application, number one, is consider the righteousness of God as the just judge of all and the justifier of sinners. So go back and read Romans 1, 2, and 3. And I think I even got some of the verses mixed up when I told you the references because I was just going through. So you read it. Consider the hopelessness under wrath of all of us without his grace, unmerited favor. And then consider how through faith we have been justified. We've been declared righteous through what Christ has done on the cross so that we can be redeemed, bought at a price. It's free, it's a gift, but it's costly, friends. It costs Jesus, his blood and his life. And we are given that by grace, unmerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is the good news of the gospel. You're so loved and you have value even when you think you don't. Think about the hymn, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me. Dear God, I pray that you would help us to catch just a glimpse of the realization of how gracious and merciful you've been to us. Lord, help us to catch just a glimpse of how great and glorious you are so that our affections can be set on you and help us not to waste our lives but to live them as faithful stewards. Telling the good news of the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.